Amen. So good to see you. Let's all stand together, please. Had a lot of visitors today. A lot of energy around the Lord's house. It's always a good thing. Page number 55 in your hymnal. At the cross, at the cross. On the second, was it for Christ
stand together, please. Shake hands with those around you. Let them know you're glad to see them here in the Lord's house. All right, let's all stand together. What a mighty God we serve. Now, when we say, what a mighty God we serve, you say, amen. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. And what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adores him. Miss Amber, would you come up, please? Miss Solomon. We're going to get all the motions in tonight. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adores him. What a mighty God we serve. We're going to get as much yardage out of them as we can before they leave. Amen. Here we go. Do your best. And what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty What a mighty God we serve. Again. 
Almighty God we serve. You can do better. Angels bow before him. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Just a couple of announcements. Senior breakfast this coming week, uh, Thursday at 8.15. Uh, 50 and wiser, please meet us at the Eagle Lake Diner. We'll have a good time. Uh, youth rally, not this coming Friday. Next Friday, that's the 29th. We're going to be going to a youth rally down at uh, Trinity Baptist in uh, Lake Wells. That's going to be a good time. We're only seven Sundays away from big day. Only seven Sundays, so let's be praying for that. Uh, I want to let you know for um, our overall salvation, we don't know about today yet. Uh, we had junior church, four saved in junior church today. Uh, one saved out here. Brother Mike, um, Brother Mike and Miss Emily and the girls, they did some, some visitation on a Friday evening. Was it a Friday evening? Thursday evening. I uh, went out and just did some door-to-door -door visitation. And um, the result of that, uh, two kids were saved last week. Uh, their mother came today, and Miss Rachel dealt with her over here, and she got saved today. <laughs> that changed some lives, didn't it? A little, little visitation changed some lives. So praise the Lord for that. We have um, a total so far for this year, 326 saved. 326 Today we had 33 visitors on our property, 33 visitors. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, let's, get, let's get out there and keep uh, rustling the bushes and keep looking for people. Uh, people still want to hear the truth, amen? Um, and, and people are still curious about us independent Baptists too. <laughs> so let's keep rounding them up and follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Good to see you tonight. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number three. Hymn number three, please stand and join me as we sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. said brother um, or not brother but uh, the Joanne was not feeling well so Bill and that's why they're not here I assume tonight so remember her in prayer also brother King uh, Pat was here this morning and she said that he's doing better in fact he might be able to come come back to church next Sunday so we look forward to that and also brother brother Don now Don's doubt he's back in the hospital is that do I understand that right back in the hospital so remember him. And um, 
let's just do this. I, I, I can't remember everybody, so if you have an unspoken request, just raise your hand. God knows what it is. All right. We, uh, um, I guess one, one more Sunday, Solomon, y'all, one more Sunday, y'all be here. Um, I, uh, I tried to put a stop to that this morning. Um, you know, I told him, I said, you know, Matt, we have taught you how to sing and you sound good. I mean, he sounded, he did, sounded good, didn't he? And, and we've done our best to treat him right and bring him up right. And we've taught him how to dress. You won't dress like that up there in those mountains. You'll have to get you a pair of overalls. And, and you won't be singing the kind of songs like you sing here. You'll be singing some songs like I learned about Jesus sitting in Grandma's rocking chair. And you'll have to have a banjo and a fiddle and all that stuff. So my advice to you is just stay here where we love you and, and we try to protect you. We try to take care of you. Uh, there's no telling what you're going to run into up there in those mountains. But see, he's not paying any attention, is he? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we bring them into this world and then teach them and, and get them grown. And, and so then they run off, you know, they go somewhere else. But uh, that's all right. They'll just be missionaries up there in the mountains in Kentucky. But uh, we just want you to know we're not real happy about this, Solomon. So, all right, let's bow our heads for prayer and ask the Lord blessings on the offering and on our service here tonight. Brother Weiss, would you lead us? Amen.
Years ago, um, back when Dr. Buffington uh, pastored Calvary Baptist in Lakeland for years and years, um, he preached for us several times here before he, uh, he got to Alzheimer's. After he retired from um, pastoring there at Calvary, he, he actually went over and joined Landmark Baptist in Haines City. And he taught there in the in the college. In fact, he brother Tony, when he was a student there, uh, Dr. Buffington was one of his teachers, one of his instructors. And um, and he 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 really what he did, what he took the subjects that I was teaching when I was there. He he began to teach those, and one of those uh, subjects was homiletics. Uh, Dr. Buffington was, uh, I, I, I liked the way he did things. He, you know, you had a clear outline when he got through preaching. You know exactly what he was trying to get across. I, I like that. I'm kind of a, you know, I like order. I like for things to be uniform. I like structure. And so things like that appeal to me. And one of the messages, though, that... Uh, that I heard him preach, and I don't remember if it was here or if it might have been over at Landmark. They preached the message, and, and the message was actually about anger. And he told some uh, incidents that had taken place over the years in his church, and, and, um, and, and so I, I took notes, and, I, and, and so then I instructed a message not just about anger, but actually about bitterness. And, and so I, I want to I wanna preach that message tonight. I've never preached this before. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll be looking at verse 31 and 32. And he made the, he made the remark that, the, that these type messages ought to be preached several times in a year during the year because uh, people, people need these things over and over again. Repetition is a great teacher. It's a great method of teaching. In fact, uh, it's probably the best method, repetition. And so it doesn't hurt. You know, I know, I know a lot of you, you take notes and you write down the date there when I preached on a text and whatever, and, and um, sometimes you'll, you'll let me know, hey, you preached that before. Well, it might be that I preached on that verse before, but it might not be the same message. So, uh, but, it, but even if it is, uh, Spurgeon was one of the great, great, probably one of the greatest preachers of modern times. And, um, and he said that, that it's, it's good to preach the same messages over and over again. He said, we sing the same songs over and over again. And the reason that you remember a song is because we do sing them over and over and, and so uh, he said there are certain messages that ought to be, ought to be preached more than once. So um, I'm just saying all that to tell you that, that I, I actually got points for this from Dr. Buffington's message, but, but I've, uh, I've expanded it some. And, um, and, all, and also looking at it more from the standpoint of bitterness rather than just anger. There's a difference between bitterness and anger, as you well know. So look with me here in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. It's let, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, 
hath forgiven you. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, once said, the one sin that's keeping revival from coming to the church, more and more people from being saved, and more of the blessings of God from coming from, uh, from the blessings coming from God uh, upon his people is the sin of an unforgiving spirit. There, there are two points in my message tonight. Number one, I want to talk about the deadly poison of bitterness. You say, why do you call it a poison? Because in Acts chapter 8 and verse 23, it speaks of, of the gall or the poison, poisonous of bitterness. Of all the human emotions, I fear more than any other in the church, I fear bitterness. Of all, of all the human emotions that I fear more, that, that I fear more than jealousy, I fear bitterness. More than I fear anger, I fear bitterness. More than I fear envy, I fear bitterness. More than, than any other human emotion, I fear bitterness. And the reason is because bitterness is an emotional cancer that'll eat you from the inside out. It's a blight that will contaminate you. It's a burden that will crush you. It's a blaze that will consume you. You say, well, what do you mean by bitterness? Bitterness is the feeling that'll come into your heart as a result of getting the impression that some, somebody, some way, in some specific instance, for no just cause, has done you wrong. And here's how I define bitterness. Bitterness is harbored hurt hidden in the heart. Harbored hurt hidden in the heart. I believe that when God closes the curtains of time and God draws the shades on the windows of history, we're going to look back and see that bitterness ruined more marriages, Bitterness soured more lives. Bitterness divided more churches. Bitterness killed more ministries than any other thing. And there's a dire warning in the word of God for all of us who may be struggling with bitterness that I want to I show you. So, so I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to look with me at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, I find it interesting that he uses an agricultural term to define, uh, describe bitterness. He said bitterness is like a root. Now, what is a root? A root is something that's invisible. You can't see it. It's underneath, underneath the soil, but it's just as real as the tree. Now, many roots are deep. Likewise, the root of bitterness, though it may never be far from the surface of your lips, it can reach down into the soil of your heart. You know what I've heard about that little root called Bitterness. It doesn't take a lot of soil for it to grow. It doesn't take hardly any cultivation to grow. It's very quick to grow, very difficult to remove. Very easy to plant the seed of bitterness and very difficult to root out the weed of bitterness. And that's why he says here in verse 15, if you've got a root of bitterness springing up, it'll, it'll cause trouble. A bitter root always brings forth bitter fruit, and there's no passion of the human heart that promises so much and yet pays so little as the root of bitterness. I want to show you how bitterness can affect you, how powerful it is. It affects the mind, it affects the spirit, and it affects the body. First of all, it saturates the mind. As the root of bitterness grows, you know what you'll find? You'll find it takes more, up more and more of the soil of your heart. 
Years ago, when I was still pastoring in Tennessee, uh, a man in our church was called to preach. He was, he was already a man in his late 50s, but God called him to preach. Started, he started pastoring a church down in McKaysville, Georgia. He lived, it was just the, the Tennessee and Georgia line right there, and, and uh, the church was actually in McKaysville, but his home was just across the line in Copper Hill, Copper Hill, Tennessee. My first trip, he wanted me to come down one year and hold a revival in his church. And so I, I, I went down. I'd never been in that, in, in that area before. And, and so as I was driving, getting closer and closer to Copper Hill, I noticed that there was no greenery anywhere, no grass. There was no, not even any weeds. Uh, nothing, not, there was no, nothing that was green. Uh, it, the, the, the earth along the highway and, and, and on the, the hillsides there was, was the, it looked like clay. I thought it was clay, but I learned later that it was the, the smoke, the, the fumes, the soot from the copper mines because they, they had furnaces there that they, they heated this ore in. And I guess that in some way that separated the, uh, the, different, the different ores. And, and so, but the, the smoke from it settled settled on the land all around it, and so nothing would grow. It was killing everything that would grow. Uh, so when, when I got to uh, his home there, and I asked him, I said, what, what's the reason that, that there's no grass, there's no, no green, nothing green? He said, well, and he told me why. That was the reason why. Well, the next year, he asked me to come by the same time of the year for a revival there and so on the way and this time when I was pulling in there was greenery everywhere it was all up of the side of the hills all beside the road just greenery everywhere and I, I asked him I said what in the world happened he said that's what you call kudzu any of you ever hear of kudzu he said that's what you call kudzu and I said well Boy, that's good. You know, I mean, it really kind of brightens the place up. You know, it, it takes away all that old uh, red-looking, copper-looking uh, soil and all. It covers it up anyway, and, and, um, and that's good. He said, no, it's not. I said, why? He said, he said uh, kudzu is, is a plant. It's a, it's a vine, and this is what he said. It is insidious, satanic demonic, hellish, vine-like plant that grows like wildfire. wildfire. And wherever it grows, it takes over everything that it can. He said, we, we have learned, it also, they, although they planted that, you know, with the idea that it was going to cover up the, the, the uh, red-looking soil and all that around there, he said, we did not know that it was going to take over everything else. He said the only way to get rid of kudzu is to drop a nuclear bomb on it. <laughs> now, I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if they have found some way. This has been a long, long, long time ago, years ago. And so I don't know if they've, I've not been back in that area. And so I don't know if they found some way to stop it. But you know, bitterness is kind of like kudzu. It's hard to get rid of. Hard to get rid of. It's an emotional kudzu. It, it wraps its tentacles around your mind. It dominates it, absorbs it like a sponge. And if you're bitter towards someone, what you'll find is just like a magnet, your mind is drawn again and again and again to that person or persons to whom you're bitter. It saturates the mind. And in fact, because of that, they begin to control your attitude, your actions. Not knowing it, they don't know it. But because of, of the, uh, the fact that this thing has saturated your thinking, and this is all that you can think about. Remember I told the, uh, gave the illustration about that Dr. Buffett had given about the, the, the guy that had the dog that his wife poisoned the dog and killed it because the dog was digging up her flowers and stuff. You remember that? Uh, that hadn't been too long ago. You should remember that. But, but uh, 
you see, he, he got to the place to where everybody saw in church, everywhere he'd go, he's thinking, I wonder if they're the one that poisoned my dog. And this thing began, it began to control his thinking. And, uh, and it was really a, an awful, awful thing. But, but bitterness, it'll saturate your mind. I'll tell you something else it does. It saddens the spirit because bitterness is a depressant. You think about this. Have you ever in your life met a happy, bitter person? There are no happy, bitter people. Bitterness is a depressant. You know what you'll find when you find a bitter person? You'll find criticism. You'll find negativism. You'll find cynicism. You'll find pessimism. Because bitterness will depress you. It'll sadden you. It'll even get you to the point where you can't even function in a normal fashion. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is an emotional quicksand. You step into it, it'll suck you under, and it'll strangle the very life out of you. It is a wind that'll blow out the candle of joy that God wants burning in your heart. And I'll tell you what else bitterness does. Not only does it sadden the spirit, not only does it saturate the mind, it sickens the body. Dr. S.I. McMillan wrote a book called None of These Diseases. Some of you may have heard of it, may have read it, may have it. In that book, Dr. McMillan said that there are over 50 diseases ranging from ulcers to high blood pressure that could be directly related to the emotion caused by bitterness. Did you know that God has so engineered your body and God has so built your human psychology that you're not meant to carry the heavy grudge of bitterness. Your body was never meant to carry that. Your soul was never meant to carry that. Now, when I say that, am I, am I trying to apply that every sick, per, sick person is bitter? No, absolutely not. Am I trying to tell you every bitter person gets sick? I'm not trying to say that either. But I will tell you this, every bitter person who remains bitter will ultimately have his physical health affected in some way, some fashion. I read this true story about a woman. She went to her doctor complaining of an itch and a low-grade fever. He examined her. He found nothing wrong with her, and, but she, uh, she, kept, she kept coming back. She kept coming back, and, she, and this thing just went on. It went on, and, and he could never find anything wrong. Finally, he suggested that she talk to her pastor, after a few minutes of counseling, the pastor found that she was holding a grudge against her sister over an inheritance. That's why, folks, you ought not to, if, you, if you've got a lot of money, you ought not to go ahead and spend it. Just go ahead and spend it because if you leave it, it's going to cause a lot of problems to those that you leave it, leave it to. Now, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't you know. Uh, don't, don't go and, and change your will and everything just because I, I'm just kidding. You understand? <laughs> but she was there and he, he, uh, and he found that she was holding a grudge against her sister over an inheritance. And so the pastor found out the name, the phone number of the sister. And so he called her and made the woman that, that was seeing him made her apologize and ask forgiveness. And, and so she did. And, and, she, and she, told, she told her sister, said, you know, you, you can have everything that, 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 you know, that mama left. You can have everything. I don't, you know, I, I don't want it. I, I, I forgive. I, you know, I just want us to be the kind of sisters that God wants us to be. And so, and so they both then were reconciled and, and um, had a wonderful time. And the next time that the lady visited her, her doctor, she said, you know, she, you know what strange doctor? She said, I don't itch anymore. And he said, I'll tell you something else. You probably don't, you probably don't have a fever anymore either. And she said, I don't. Uh, now, that was based on a true story. And this woman was having this, this itch and this low-grade fever because of, because of bitterness toward her sister. 
And I'll tell you that story to tell you that for tell you for this reason. Uh, some of you think if you go to the doctor that he can help you. If, if I get medicine, it can help me. If I go to a psychiatrist, he can help me. If I can take some pills, it'll help me. My friend, if you're bitter, the only thing that will help you is forgiving. Forgiving that person. You know, there's some things that I've learned over the years as a pastor. I've learned some things about bitterness. The, 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 the bitter person hurts no one as much as he hurts himself. He, more, he does more damage to himself than he does to the person that he's bitter about, bitter toward. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Let's say that, that you're, now I know this is, you know, this is a uh, big exaggeration. I know that none of you would ever, ever be bitter toward me. Amen? Uh, <laughs> but let's just use this in illustration. Just say you get, you get bitter uh, toward me about something and, you know, something I said maybe or something I did or something I didn't do. Most of the time when people get mad at me, it's something I didn't do. And I don't even know anything about it. You know, I had a lady one time, she, she said she was upset with me. And I said, why? She said, because you didn't visit me in the hospital. I said, I didn't know that you were in the hospital. You have, to let, you have to let me know. I'm not a mind reader. I didn't say this, but I'm not a mind reader. Uh, I have to, you have to let me know if you're there. And she said, well, you should know. <laughs> Preacher doesn't have a chance. Doesn't have a chance, I tell you. But um, let's say you're so mad at me that you could absolutely bite a nail into about something that I've said or done, and you think I've done you wrong, and you think about it all the time. And you, you say, you know, I wish I could think of some way I could get even with that preacher. And you're just so mad. And you go to bed every night. And you're just stewing. I'm so mad at that preacher. And you know what? I'm just having a good time because I don't even know about it. Who are you hurting? You're not hurting me. You're hurting yourself. See, bitterness does a great deal more damage to the vessel in which it's stored than on the object on which it's poured. If you're holding a grudge today, if, if your body contains the acid of bitterness, I'll tell you what you need to do right now. You need to go to, you need to, go to Calvary. You need to go to Calvary. Go back to Calvary. You want to know why? Because the cross is God's roadblock to bitterness. Charles Spurgeon said, let us go to Calvary to know how we may be forgiven, and then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. So, dead, so first of all, there's the deadly poison of bitterness. Now look at the second thing, back here in Ephesians 4. I want you to see the dynamic power of forgiveness. The deadly poison of bitterness, now the dynamic power of forgiveness. Look at verse Verse 32. This is so good. It's, you know, you ought to just read this over and over and over. Just kind of let it saturate, saturate your mind. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, let me tell you what I've discovered as I did a study on forgiveness. This is one of the three rules of forgiveness that God gives in the Bible. The Bible doesn't doesn't just say if somebody does you wrong, you ought to forgive them. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible goes further than that. It says, I'm, and it says I'm going to tell you exactly why and how you ought to forgive someone that does you wrong. Now, here, here is rule number one about, about forgiveness. You should forgive others the way you would want others to forgive you. Now, I think that's called the golden rule, isn't it? Rule number two, and it gets deeper and more serious, you will be forgiven the way you forgive others. What did Jesus say in the Lord's Prayer? He said, forgive us our trespasses, finish it, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
Let me read that again. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive others the way you would want them to forgive you. And then uh, the way that, the second thing, the way that you should forgive others the way that, that God has forgiven you. That's step number two. Look what he said again. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, one of the reasons that forgiveness doesn't come very easy is because it doesn't come naturally. You know, uh, our, we, even though we're saved, we have a divine nature. God has imparted to us, imputed to us a divine nature. We still have that old nature. And you know what? That old nature wants to get even. Wants to get even. You know, and, um, you know, you don't look, look at me and try to tell me that you have never felt that about anybody or anything because at some time in your life, uh, you have, somebody has done something to you, have, they have hurt you in a way that you, that you have thought, boy, I won't get even with them for that. I want to get even with them for that. See, forgiveness doesn't come easy. The word forgiveness in the original language literally means to send away, send away or to let go. When you forgive someone, you literally release to the Lord whatever that person has done against you. You release both the offender and the offense into the hands of God, and you say, Lord, I'm turning that person over to you. I'm turning what they've done wrong over to you. I'm going to let you handle the matter. Psychologists and ministers alike now agree that there's only one cure for the cancer of bitterness, only one, and that's the cure of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Dr. Archibald Hart once said, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Now, how do we forgive someone? Look at that verse again. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. So you want to know how to forgive somebody who's done you wrong? You need to stop and think, now how has God forgiven me? And when I thought about that, I said, now I understand what he meant by forgiving one another. Here's what forgiveness is. If forgiveness is real, it'll have three characteristics. Number one, forgiveness must be free. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely you have received Freely give. When the Lord Jesus forgave you and when he forgave me, he forgave us freely. What, what, what did my forgiveness cost me? When I, when I forgave, what did it cost me? It didn't cost me anything. When, when the Lord came to me and he said, all, all I want from you is for you to repent of your sins and surrender your life to me, and I will forgive you. And see, too often, you know where we are when somebody does us wrong? We'll, we'll say something like this. I will forgive the principal of the crime when I have collected the interest of revenge. You see, before some people will forgive, they say, I'll forgive you, but I want my ounce of meat. I want my pound of flesh. I want my quart of blood. <laughs> True forgiveness means no strings attached, no fine print at the bottom of the contract, no condition. Forgiveness must be free. Forgiveness, number two, forgiveness must be full, that, it, that it's got to be complete. And then number three, I'm, I'm going to hurry because we run out of time here. Forgiveness not only must be free, must be full. Forgiveness must be final. When God forgives, God forgets. God forgives, God forgets. You know what God said in Jeremiah 31, 34? I will forgive your iniquity. I will remember no more. Now, when the Bible says God forgets our sin, it doesn't mean he forgets it like you and I forget a telephone number or somebody's name or 
something like that. What it means is this. When God forgives you of a certain sin, here's what he says. I hold no grudges. I will never dig up that old dirt again. I'll never throw that sin back in your face again. I'm wiping, wiping the slate totally clean. I forgive you fully. I forgive you freely. And I forgive you finally. I heard about these two little brothers, Timmy and Bruce, and uh, they were getting ready for bed one night, and they got into a fight, and Timmy hauled off and hit Bruce right upside the head, and and so they started, you know, jumped into each other and started, you know, wrestling and fighting and pushing, punching and screaming and doing body slams and all kind of thing. And I mean, just really loud. And finally, Mother came. She said, all right. Break it up, boys. Now, what happened? And Bruce said, well, I'll tell you what happened, Mom. Timmy hit me upside the head with that stick. And I want to tell you that before this night is over, I'm going to beat the daylights out of him. And his mother said, no, you need to forgive him. And he said, look at that bump he put on my head. And she said, no, but you should forgive him. And he said, all right, I'm not going to beat the daylights out of him. I'm going to beat the devil out of him. And the mother said, now listen, Bruce, I want you to think about one thing. You might die tonight. Does that make a difference in how you feel? And he dropped his head. He said, well, Mom, yes, I guess it does. But Mom, I'll tell you what, I'll forgive him. And then he looked over at his brother and said, I'm going to forgive you, but if I don't die tonight, you better watch out in the morning. You think about it. When What can come between a Christian and God? What is it that can come between a Christian and God? There are only two things that can come between you and God. <clears throat> One is unforgiven sin. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, that is, if I have a sin I'm carrying around and I won't let go of it, <clears throat> God will not hear me. Unforgiven sin will become between, between you and God. The other thing is an unforgiving spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 15, If you do not forgive men of their trespasses, neither would your Father forgive your trespasses. Unforgiven sin. <clears throat> what does that cause? It causes guilt, an unforgiving spirit. And what does that cause? It causes bitterness. So what is, what is the cure? What is the cure for guilt? Get forgiven. What's the, cure, what's the cure for bitterness? Get forgiveness. It's the only cure because guilt is a ghost that haunts its own house. Bitterness is an acid that destroys its own container. And here's what's happened. When you go to God and you get forgiveness, he frees you from the prison of guilt. And when you go to another person and you give forgiveness, you're healed of the poison of bitterness. You know, uh, I want you to think about this. One of the reasons why you're in the kingdom of God and a part of his family is so that you and I can model for lost people how to treat others who mistreat us. We're to model that. So with that, with that thought in mind, I want to I I give you a true story. This is a true story. Uh, you will recognize who this person is when I give you the name. I'm not going to give you the name in the beginning. But I want you to quit doing whatever you're doing right now. I want you to look up here at me. I'm going to close with this. But uh, uh, don't be writing any notes. Don't be, don't be looking at your cell phone, all that. Uh, I want you to listen to this. And let me tell you this true story, and I'm going, then I'm going to be finished. Because this story illustrates the power of what I'm talking about. Over 100 years ago, there was a young man in his mid-20s. He was a young preacher. And he was having an unbelievable ministry in a village over in England. People were coming from miles away, all over the countryside, to hear this young man preach and teach the Word of God. Only, only 25 years old. 
but he had, a, he had an appetite for teaching the Bible. He loved the Word of God. He was making an unbelievable impact in the village where his, where his church was and that surrounding area, and his reputation was growing in leaps and bounds, and God was using him in an unbelievable way. Then tragedy struck. There was a young woman who was emotionally imbalanced, having very severe emotional difficulties. She came to this pastor and asked this pastor if he would be kind enough to try to help her through these problems. And out of the kindness and goodness of his heart, he began to try and help her and take her through the word of God and, and, and began to try to ease some of the difficulties that she was having in her life. And then one day, without any warning whatsoever, this, this woman, this young woman, stepped forth publicly and accused this pastor of trying to force himself upon her in a sexual way. In effect, she said, he tried to rape me. Word spread throughout the entire countryside, and to his amazement, because he was a relative newcomer and she had grown up in the village, the people took her side and believed her. His ministry was finished. His reputation was in shambles. He lost his church. He had no place to go, no place to preach. And the worst part of it was, it was a big fat lie. She had made the whole thing up. Nevertheless, the damage had been done. That young man struggled deeply with the betrayal of this young woman who he had legitimately and with integrity and decency uh, and decency just tried to help her. But for some reason, she had turned on that young preacher and had totally ruined his ministry. As a matter of fact, he was convinced not only has she ruined my ministry, she has ruined my life. And he began to think to himself, I'll never recover. Nobody will ever come hear me preach again. I'll never get to pastor a church again. I'll never get to do what God's called me to do again. My life is totally over. And he began to talk to himself that way. The doors of his heart flew open, and the flood of bitterness began to drown the chambers of his soul. And every day, the increasing level of bitterness went up and what? Up and finally, it wasn't just bitterness, it was hatred. And all he could think about was what that woman had done and how unjust and how unfair she had been and how she'd never, he'd never undo the damage she'd caused. And one day in his quiet time, he was just even struggling to try to pray and talk to the Lord. And finally, in his heart, he just broke out and said, God, can you ever use me again? And he said in that still quiet moment, God spoke to his heart and said, I can use you again, and I will use you again. But before I can or will use you, you must get rid of that root of bitterness and hatred in your heart. And that young preacher said, God, that's one thing that I cannot do. And God said, until you do it, I will not use you. Well, God broke him, and he came to the point in his life, through the cross of Calvary, and by the grace of God, he totally forgave that young woman, totally. That falsely accused young man thought, I'll never again be used by God, never. But today, there are millions of people who can vouch for the fact that that young man has been, is, and will continue, continuously be used by God because that young man's name was Oswald Chambers. And he wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. Next to the Bible, this is the greatest selling Christian book ever written in the history of Christianity. What's the point? Well, you know what forgiveness does? You know what forgiveness does? It does two things. Number one, it frees you to be all you can be for God. And number two, it frees God to do all he wants to do through you. 
And folks, when you go to the cross of Calvary, do you know what you'll learn? You'll learn not only that, he, that you can be forgiven, but you can also be a forgiver. I heard someone say one time, a long time ago, and I've never forgotten this, the closest that you will ever come in this life in being like Jesus is in the act of forgiveness. Would you stand please with your heads bowed? I don't know. We, we, uh, uh, we're going to be having the Lord's Supper here in a, in a little bit. And uh, I don't know your hearts. You know, I don't know. Uh, when, I, when the Lord was laying this on my heart about preaching, I was thinking, you know, what, you know, I mean, I don't know of anybody that's, you know, has got this harboring bitterness or anything, but, but uh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get off my mind. I couldn't get away from it. Uh, so, for some reason, God wanted me to preach this message tonight. Now, I don't know your hearts. I don't know, I don't know what's there. I don't know. There may not be anybody here tonight that you have bitterness in your heart. But, but if there is, this is a good time for you to get it right. This is a good time for you to forgive whoever that is that has done whatever it is that has made you bitter toward them. Um, we always give an opportunity before the Lord's Supper uh, for you to pray and, and, and any unconfessed sin in your life, anything that, that you, you know, you've been harboring uh, for you to get it right. You know, ask the Lord to forgive you and mean it sincerely. And then, and then, uh, then, then you can feel free to partake of the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the Lord's Supper in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, he, he talked about many, many that were asleep. That was just a word that he used for a Christian that dies. Many because they had, they had uh, taken the Lord's Supper with, with unconfessed sin in their life. And so it's, a, it's, it's not a good thing, Christian. It's not a good thing if there's unconfessed sin in your life to to come without, you know, without any uh, feeling of guilt, but, but uh, in anything in your life that harboring there that you, you shouldn't be, it's not, it's not, it's, it's a dangerous thing because God does not want you. Those elements that you'll be partaking of tonight, those elements represent the broken body and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to do this thing lightly. You want to be sure, and uh, and so I want to in this invitation. If you if you need to come tonight to the altar, or if you'd rather where you are, if you need to pray and ask God to forgive you of something, or if there's somebody that you need to go to tonight to ask forgiveness for uh, from, then you need then you need to do that. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the invitation time. Help each of us to do what you'd have us to do. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation song. If you need to pray, if you need to come, then we invite you to come.